Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast, the podcast for games on every platform. I am Daniel Winter, and this episode, Mark is on holiday uh, as our foreign correspondent in Japan. He is going to be bringing back reports of tiny trick-taking games and, and gacha machines and, and Pokemon merch. But in the meantime, I'm joined by a special guest co-host with the return of Dennis Ryan. Welcome. Glad to be back. I've now uh, punched uh, both the uh, the lottery win cards of, of hosting both you and Mark. Bingo! The two square bingo card. Exactly, yeah. It, it, it was a very easy bingo game. Yes, you, so you were previously on the podcast when I was on holiday last year. Right. You discussed yeah. Space Base with Mark. That's correct, yeah, and I'm still playing that. In fact, uh, I just recently won a game fair and square. So oh, excellent. <laughs> on, on BGA or in person? Yes, yeah, yeah, BGA, okay. yeah. yeah I've, I've, I've still only played that one online. I, I imagine it is one that's going to play better in person. So I'm, no, well, I'm reserving we'll, too many uh, strong thoughts on it. <laughs> clear, clearly you didn't listen to the podcast then, because I said it played better in BGA. Huh? Yeah, no, I, I, did, I, did, I didn't really recall <laughs> you saying that, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I, did, I didn't like the finicky little cards. I do like yeah. rolling dice. Like, rolling dice that's in true. BGA always feels redundant. <laughs> that's, that's true, that's true. <laughs> How are you this this wet Vancouver day? You are another local here. <laughs> it's been good. Uh, I've been happy out. We just had a uh, we're having a kind of a cleanup weekend where I live at the moment. So I actually scored a couple of free board games. <laughs> so somebody's getting rid of. So I'm pretty happy with that. Um, other than that, I've been out and about and enjoying the weather and when I can. So. You, you were telling me you, that you got to experience a real life version of uh, Power Wash Simulator. That's right. I did get to one of my favorite uh, games, uh, both in real life and in virtual. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to power wash the uh, our courtyard, which always feels so refreshing because it, it it's a very like this job was definitely done. It's it's very obviously like this job. Rather than you know sometimes when you sweep something, you're like, yeah, I did. I know I swept, but it doesn't really look all that different now because it, it looks universally clean. Mm. But when you're power washing, it looks <laughs> noticeably different. Once you know? start power washing, then you have to power wash everything. I guess. Well, well, that's the other problem. You can't stop halfway through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so this episode, we're going to try something a little different for our feature. Rather than talking at a specific game, we're going to cover a whole genre with the with roll and write board games. Before that, we're going to ha- cover a little bit of news and what else we've been playing. So, what is news to you lately, Dennis? Since I last spoke to Mark, I guess, <laughs> which was quite a while ago, uh, I hosted the Catan tournament at our local Terminal City tabletop convention. And alas, since hosting that, we have lost uh, the creator of uh, Catan, Klaus Tuber. Yes, yeah. That's, that was that's, big news in the gaming universe. Yeah, he's had, he's had a, a huge influence on, on the hobby, obviously. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't have any particularly strong feelings on Catan, but the, the influence it's had is, is undeniable. So you were also on the, the Terminal City committee with me. We discussed that, that, uh, co- that convention a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. I'd love to hear about your experience at the convention. Yeah, well, I have a great time. I've been attending Terminal City since like the first year when it was a tiny little kind of a hundred or so people or whatever um and I've, I've loved it i've loved going every time specifically this time I, I i joined the committee for the first time i was supposed to join the committee back in 2019 or say 2020 uh-huh. but something happened <laughs> <laughs> i've always been involved in like lending games to the library and running games and running events and stuff so they asked me to like join the, the committee officially and this year i helped out running the Catan tournament as i mentioned which again like you i'm not all that like committed to Catan. But it's a really weird experience watching like extremely high level players play a game that you kind of passingly enjoy, or passingly have a knowledge of or whatever. 
Yeah, so, so you, you weren't exactly like rules lawyering the game, I imagine. You were just facilitating. The, yeah, the, the, I, I the... didn't have too much. I, <laughs> I will say, I'll, I'll give him credit. Catan has a very, very, very good and uh, detailed um, tournament sheet, uh, okay. uh, rules rules play. So any couple of questions that did pop up that might be just just uh, there, there was one or two small questions and I, I always had the answer at my fingertips at all times interesting so it was very handy um so that was pretty good and then uh, we also had a lot of very experienced players who i could just like lean on and say hey what do you think of this maybe like all oh, the rules say you do this and that and the other thing or whatever was was it a highly competitive uh, event for some <laughs> uh there was a few because the winner got to go on to the nationals. There were two people in, in particular who really, really wanted to win, and I think most <laughs> other people were just playing for the fun of it. This, this really like um, time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty fun to see. I, I enjoyed my time running it. I mean, it, it didn't make me want to play Catan, you know, <laughs> on a professional level or anything. But uh, it, it was fun to watch, and it, there were some funny rules like after every game you're supposed to pick up all the dice from all the tables mix them all together and then redistribute them ah. so be no, no, no worry about like <laughs> load, you know, load of dice <laughs> load of dice or even just you know even just off-weighted dice maybe huh. from manufacturing or whatever interesting so it was pretty pretty cool or like things like you'd set up one board randomly and then you'd copy that board onto every other table so everybody was playing with the same oh. board right so huh. that's kind of cool as well Oh right! So so each each round of the exactly. of, of of the the, the tournament, everyone's playing on the same map. Okay, that, that's, exactly. that's a good way of leveling the, the playing field, I guess. I mean, obviously the, the dice are going to still going to make a huge difference. Exactly, and <laughs> and also the, the 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 draw decks, right? As you're drawing from like the what are they called? You know, the victory point the decks. Developments. 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 Yeah, like they're still randomized amongst tables, so it's not entirely the, exactly the same. Because I played in pandemic uh, tournament one time, and in that case, like players don't even draw from a deck, right? The the the, the game master or the host draws from a single deck, and everybody has reacts to the same deck oh, as it's being drawn. Interesting. From. But how does yeah, it, how does the pandemic tournament even work? Because that's a cooperative game. Does, <laughs> does one person win more than everyone else? No, no. So it's 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 every table. So for example, it was me and a friend playing at one table. So it's a team, and, and the t- it's the wins. table wins. Yeah, okay, exactly. So, um, and then, and then every table is competing against every other table. And the way it works is that we, we all have the same setup. And then, um, the cards, like, as I said, one person draws from the deck of cards and tells everybody else what, what's been drawn. And it's how you react to it is where, where, where the variability comes in. Very cool. Well, we've, yeah. we've been discussing some other potential tournaments that we might look <laughs> to hosting at next year's Terminal City. So stay tuned for that. As for news in, my world uh i just wanted to just touch on a game it came out last episode we discussed hi-fi rush the mm-hmm. yeah. uh, rhythm action platformer are you familiar with that one at all dennis i am the one i'd say i think it came to xbox uh what's game pass or whatever yes. that kind of thing. Mm. and it looks very it's very bright and very incredible and it's made by the developers are known for, for like really grim horror games. Yes, uh, Go- Ghostwire right. Tokyo, which also just came That's out right. on uh, on Game Pass, and oh, I'm blanking on the name. Evil Within, Evil Within That's series. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's the one that I know them for. Evil Within, and mm. then they make this incredibly bright and colorful and funny and zany <laughs> game that they announced at a, at a at an event and then launched that day. Like they they yep. announced and launched on the same day. Gotta love those surprise drops. Shocking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yes, so like right after we covered that, uh, another game dropped on Game Pass, another rhythm action game animated in Vancouver about sort of plucky teens fighting oh. robots. <laughs> this is called Infinite Guitars. 
Uh, I've not played this one yet. Uh, I, I do have it queued up. It's, it's it looks a little less polished in the animation than Hi-Fi Rush, but it, the, the music style matches my my taste a lot more. So I'm very curious hmm. to check that out and see how it compares to Hi-Fi Rush. Awesome. So one other bit of news that this whole discussion of launching a game on when you announced it reminded me of since your last episode. It's been uh, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Normally a day to avoid all things on the internet. But uh, <laughs> Sega released uh, The Murder oh, of Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, you know, put it up as like a funny ha-ha-ha. It was funny April Fool's Day. Joke. And then the joke was, actually, we, we really have made the game. And here it is. We need to play for free on Steam. And it's a really fun kind of a, an Ace Attorney game. Like a, a light Ace Attorney game where you're like trying to solve a murder. Yeah. But... It's very well done. It's it, it plays in about ninety minutes. Oh, that, sorry, very colorful. Short. Okay. Very colorful. Very nice. And no voice acting or anything like that. But the the art style is really really nice. And yeah, fun game. I I played. I had a look at that in the last couple of weeks. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many. I mean, there's a lot of great concepts for April Fool's jokes now, and they're still so overdone that they're only really. Like, <laughs> it feels like only it's only worthwhile when they actually make the game now <laughs> like, well, that, that, that's, that's, that's exactly <laughs> it I mean April Fool's is so annoying so it's nice when people do something a bit novel and unique with it uh-huh. you know? <laughs> excellent why don't we jump into the playlist let's kick off at the at the physical games table what board games have you been playing lately uh, I finally after having Sushi Roll on my shelf for several years I finally got to play Sushi Roll which was just as enjoyable as I hoped it would be. Um, very similar to Sushi Go. Right. You're using lots and lots and lots of dice, and you get to roll lots and lots of dice all the time because you roll your dice, you pick a dice, and then you pass your dice on, and you roll your dice, you roll all the dice again. So, so, so you're drafting the dice. You're drafting dice. Okay. Exactly, interesting. Instead of drafting cards. Um, but every time you pass on the dice, you you, you get to re-roll all the dice again. So you, it's oh. not like you roll them once and start around, and then you draft them all until they're gone. You re-roll the dice you you receive. So. The effect is like what you you know what you're receiving rather than just the cut the, the face up or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, I, I only played the, the the original base Sushi Go. There's obviously Sushi Go Party, I believe, yeah. and and Sushi Roll now. So they're very. I mean, it's a, it's a very streamlined, simple system that's obviously very. quite uh, easy to to expand upon. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that one. Yeah, we actually had an, an evening where we played the recent release Steam Up, a feast of dim sum <laughs> by our local uh, game designers here. Followed by Sushi Roll, and then followed by Sushi Go. Well, pl- so please we tell me you actually and- ordered some some sushi and or dim sum for that night. <laughs> we, I really would have loved to, but it was actually quite late in the evening already. Like we just <laughs> kind of started around eight or nine o'clock or whatever. And we were quite tired, so we just played some games and hung out and had some I don't know potato chips or something. I can't remember. <laughs> what, even those those games weeks, do need to come with a, with a, a warning that they will make you hungry. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> there was quite a bit of discussion about food while we were playing. Excellent. I have been playing a game called Zabirius. So I, I did have a review copy of this game, for what it's worth. So this came Ooh, out in nice. 2016, I believe. And it's an independent game by Benny Goldstein and Brachia Gluick, are the, are the designers. It's a little controversial, this game. It, 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 it's thinking outside the box, quite literally, in that there is Ooh. no game box here uh and I, i'm quite interested by this concept of sort of bespoke game packaging there's turncoats for example which is mm-hmm. packaged yeah. in, a, in a little like little sack uh and this basically is a, st- a sequence of 
boards. Like each each there's four factions in the game, so very sort of Warcraft three vibes. And each faction is a basically a, tr- a triple layer board where you've got your all your players, sorry, all your player like faction units and coins are tokens embedded on the bottom of this board, and then your player board is sort of laid on top of that. And so everything is just packaged in this really sleek little slim square of cardboard uh and so it's, it's a fascinating concept in terms of bespoke packaging uh and i, I know it has been a little dis- a little controversial that it doesn't have a box it doesn't really sit well with your collection but i i, I am fascinated by that concept of unique packaging and especially like i, I, mean, I imagine to say it's, it's probably quite eco-friendly and that there's there's no yeah. there's, there's no like punch outs like piles of, of cardboard punch outs to throw away there, there is some plastic packaging but uh it's always all very sleek and I, I, it's it is marketed as a kid's game so this is sort of this thing that you'd imagine sitting on, on a kid's toy shelf rather than a you know a hobbyist's collection <laughs> shelf yeah it, it does market itself as a an educational game which which is a noble cause i don't necessarily see it working any better than any other board game but it's not bad in the same way like it, it, you know yeah. you, you you are do, doing basic math and doing basic strategy and it, it you know triggers tr- triggers those, sa- those same uh, lessons that you, you expect in any sort of little tactical game and, and this is i should say a a tactical game where you've got you, each player has their own factions and similar to warcraft 3 you're sort of just going at it it's last man standing basically but mm-hmm. there's um some little uh you, you can take over certain locations that might give you extra gold income or give you extra power or teleport around the board the tactics are quite simple it's largely just rolling like when you attack you roll a dice and your opponent rolls a dice and the winner or the loser dies regardless of who attacked the loser will always die basically <laughs> so it, it it does sort of force high stakes pretty quickly yeah. there's, there's no there's no t- taking damage and and it's good to say that you're tracking damage which can get quite fiddly yeah so it's very stream like you 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 live or you die basically uh at the same time there is this feature of like you can group up like if you're attacking an enemy all of your units within range of that enemy can attack and if you're defending all of your units in range of the attacker can defend. So it does sort of encourage oh. this sort of sort of tactic of everyone just sort of turtling up and grouping up the units in one big sort right. of Zerg wave and sort of and, and rushing across the board, which admittedly is exactly how I played Warcraft 3. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it uh, doesn't uh, encourage sort of particularly interesting tactics and like there, there are definitely our opportunities here uh so you can teleport around the board and and so that every unit has unique abilities whether it's d- different movements or um leeching power or resurrecting dead units and things so there's, there's quite a bit of uh, variety here uh the tactics are a little simple from what i'm looking for but I, I do think it would be a pretty good introduction to sort of basic tactics for kids it's all very sort of cool. colorful cartoony artwork that's you know, kid-friendly and been pretty accessible. So that is Zabirius. Sounds interesting. I, I do believe they're um, doing a Kickstarter for like a, a, a remastered version uh, and, and, and new factions at some point. And I'm curious because I, I do think this game has a few rough edges that could be polished up, yeah. particularly the rules. The rules do feel very much like just flow of consciousness rather than a clear layout of, of yeah. sort of turn structure. But 
yeah, I'm, I'm curious how they how they how they polish it up in in the new edition. Cool. Yeah. So on my side, um, game I've been playing a lot recently was actually a game that I'd never heard of before I talked to Mark for the last podcast, um, and since then I've played way too much of it, and that's <laughs> Vampire Survivors. Ooh, yeah. I did, I, did, I was I just saw a Steam notification that one of my friends is playing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually got it on iOS, and it plays remarkably well on my iPad, even when the screen is absolutely chock full of millions of enemies and particle <laughs> effects and all sorts of things but um it's free on ios or possibly on mobile in general uh, maybe poured with ads and stuff although you can generally skip the ads pretty well or just ignore them actually they don't even pop up it's like you you can play an ad to earn extra gold or to, to earn an extra life but if you don't want it you just skip it and then right. you never see the ad that's right yes which is a pretty good way of doing it but yeah, I played a lot of that. Uh, <laughs> I haven't bought the DLC characters yet, even though I've heard they're pretty good. Yeah, I, I never got the DLC, but a, a friend was was telling me recently that the DLC map apparently is actually quite interesting in that it's an actual, not not to say an open world, but there is actual map to explore and different areas of the of the of this map with different features. Like there's different biomes within the one map. That's what I heard. I heard about that. Yeah, so I that, heard when I, when I when I first heard about it, I was like, "Oh, it's only one extra map, or oh, whatever." But yeah, I heard that. I heard about that, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds interesting." Yeah, so I, might, I might buy it. Eventually, that does mix but. things up quite a bit. So I'm curious about that. I, I haven't actually gone back to the game since we covered it. Partly just, I mean, I, we mentioned this in the pod. I, I I'm not particularly fond of how it sort of triggers the the sort of gambling endorphins. Uh, and while it's not pulling on money, it is pulling at time. Uh, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Just one more. Just one more. Definitely. Just one more. Uh, so, how deep in are you? Uh, I mean, I pretty, I practically finished what's on iOS on, on the. I, I unlocked, I think, most of the characters. I'm sure there's more to unlock because this is an endless supply of characters to unlock. But uh, and I found most of the secrets um, that I'm aware of, um, and I just kind of burned out on it more than anything else. I, I, I wasn't unlocking new stuff for a while, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm done for a while. So it gets to the point where it's basically it's a checklist of, of things to yeah, like exactly. do do X I mean, level with Y character and get yeah, Z it, it, it's literally a checklist because <laughs> you have that list of secrets to unlock, and mm-hmm. it's like, how do I unlock that one? You know. Yeah, oh. it's, it's 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 a great concept, and there's obviously still clones uh, innovating on that concept. There was a there sure there is was one just recently that got quite a bit of buzz. <sighs> Something cultist, I want to say it's called. I, I don't remember, but yeah, it's um, it's a. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of those. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on my computer, uh, that is, I should say, my my new computer. I finally gave in and upgraded my PC after seven years. I think it's the longest I've ever gone without upgrading. I remember picking up my last <laughs> PC the day that No Man's Sky came out, so <laughs> which dates it quite some time, and we've seen that game evolve quite a lot <laughs> over those seven years. But uh, I finally went and got a new new PC, and so I was I was wondering what do I use to test on this? Like, it, it's got a, a ray tracing capable Ooh. video card, which I, I don't Snappy. I know nothing about. I know that ray tracing is good. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but that's the standard by which everyone judges these days. Better lighting effects, I think. That's <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not sort of fussed about 4K. Uh, I mean, is yeah. it even beyond 4K? What is it? It's, it's some other standard beyond that now. So... I basically, I, I am denied about what I should test it out with and settled on Portal. 
the classic. The, what? <laughs> so what are you the new coming I think out? Gone backwards with that in the two thousands. Yeah, the, exactly. It's yeah. a specific version, Portal RTX. So Nvidia oh. put out a specific upgraded version of Portal with ray tracing. And wow. so it's not necessarily going to look as good as a, a modern game. The the sort of the textures and everything are still it's, it's still the source engine. It's still the same textures, uh, but the lighting is noticeably different. Like the reflections on all the glass and all the the particles of, of beams bouncing around is is very cool. Like it it was a pretty good example of this is what ray tracing can do. I, I can't explain what it does, but I know it looks good, <laughs> shall we say. But uh, yeah. it, was, it was a good excuse to, to re-explore Portal. I've not played that in over 10 years, and I'm, I'm keen to, to revisit Portal 2, which I've not played since the launch of that game. Yeah, so I'm not much to say about that, other than that's a, a classic game that, that still holds up. Awesome. Um, so the, the last time I was on with Mark, I was talking about watching a video game being played. Yes, yeah. off the top of my head, I can't. What, what was it we were watching last time? Uh, Domekeeper. That's right. It was Domekeeper. That's right. Yeah, I was watching Domekeeper being played by Christopher Odd on YouTube. He's like um, based in Calgary, I believe. Mm-hmm. And we, my wife and I, just put it on in the evenings, and we'd watch an hour or two of him playing Domekeeper. Well, we've moved on from Domekeeper to Wallworld. Wallworld. <laughs> that's what it's called. Which is kind of like, in an unfair way, it's Domekeeper, but flipped 90 degrees. So instead of digging oh. down into the earth, you're digging sideways through a wall or whatever. And huh. you know, that's a very cut down version of what it really is. Wall World plays actually quite differently and plays out as you play, as you get deeper into it, it plays very differently. But it's fun. Like one thing, for one thing, you can move your base. So in, in Domekeeper, your base just lands on the ground and then you just dig down from there and that's it. It doesn't move. Whereas in Wall, wall World, you're actually have, you're in a giant mech and you're moving up and down a wall, so you you can you can actually move your mech, and as you get attacked, you can move your mech to run away or to to attack a different angle. Oh, so, so this is like a, a then, base defense still. Yeah, yeah, it's got that. I mean, yeah, it basically the game ends when you if you if your ba- if your if your mech blows up. So I guess that that's base defense, yeah. And and when you're in the when you're tunneling, there's no enemies in the tunnels. All the enemies are outside the tunnels in in, in, hmm. the, in the open world. So you're mining for different materials. But where in Domekeeper, it's pretty much just like upgrading things until uh, until you die or whatever. <laughs> uh, Wall World actually has like a story that you slowly uncover and explore. And, and it's, got, it's a persistent story. So even though it looks like a roguelike in terms of you die and you start from the beginning again, you actually keep a lot of your upgrades and you keep a lot of your skills and knowledge and stuff and things you've unlocked and things. You slowly uncover the story as, as, as it plays along. And Despite having never played the game, I now know the entire story. <laughs> so, <laughs> because I, I, that's something we do. So, so, so through, through watching it, you, you don't really have any pull to, to play the game yourself? I, th- I think it's only on PC at the moment. It's certainly not on mobile. And I don't really play video games on my PC at the moment. Because my PC, like, like yours, is quite old. But I haven't updated <laughs> mine yet. Hey, don't you, don't um, you have a VR? <laughs> Well, uh, but my VR headset is um, is uh, Quest, so it's all self-contained. It doesn't use the PC. So oh, okay. It's, it's entirely contained in the headset. Like that's why that's why I bought it. I didn't have to bother upgrading my PC. But <laughs> uh, that, PC. That, that is my goal, though. My goal, sometime sometime down the line, is to upgrade my P- my PC to a VR capable one and use my Quest as a passenger device to play like I don't know, Half-Life Alex or whatever, like those kind of games. Yes, but so uh, but yeah. So <laughs> mostly we've been we've we've been experiencing Wall World through. Christopher Rod on YouTube rather than playing it ourselves. <laughs> Excellent. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I, I've been curious about Domekeeper. Uh, I've been seeing quite a bit of hype for that one. It looks, looks quite fun, but uh, I've not heard of Wallkeeper, was it? Wall, no. wall World. Wall, wall World, that's it. <laughs> yeah. so, in fact, I, I would um, recommend you do that one instead of Domekeeper because it's actually got more... It's got more depth to it, I feel. Okay, fascinating. And they're both very cheap. I mean, I think Wall World is like $5 on Steam on, in, in Canada at the moment or something. So it's not... Wall World, yeah, six, yeah. $6.50 Canadian. Oh, go. yeah, this is quite, quite nice art yeah. style. I mean, yes, it's actually very, color, yeah, which, which Domekeeper doesn't have. <laughs> but yeah, very, yeah. very pixel art, but yeah. uh, very dynamic animation. Yeah, I like the look of that one. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, one other thing I wanted to quickly mention, I, th- I believe I've discussed this game previously, uh, but I'm getting, or I'm revisiting it in, in light of my, my new PC, and that is Marvel's Midnight Suns. Obviously, a big crossover with, with board games. It's, it's a, it's a deck building game, deck building to tactics. I was enjoying it previously, but my computer was struggling to run it, and, it was just taking forever to, to, to really achieve anything in that game. Yeah. And really, I'm enjoying it a lot more now. I, I was finding I didn't have much patience for all of the character work in that game. Mm. In between the tactics, there was a lot of talking and not party building, but building relationships, I guess. Yeah, exactly. not, not like you don't date the Wolverine or anything, but you, you are sort of forming friendship points and things. Yeah. In the to- Sanctuary, is that what's called? Or yes, yeah. yeah. And there's quite a lot of that, especially at the start of the game. There's a lot of tutorialization. And that just felt particularly tedious when you're waiting five minutes for loading in between everyone. But yeah. without when, when you're not accounting for that, I feel it does flow a lot better. And the writing is, is pretty solid. I don't have a particular attachment to many of the Marvel characters. There's are obviously different from the sort of cinematic universe and some yeah. different characters as well. Like I, I quite like uh, Nico and Il- yeah, Nico Ili- Iliana. And Nico, yeah, M- Nico Minoru and uh, Iliana Rasputin. Yes, yeah. So there's some some d- deeper cuts here. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying- Nico is from was first introduced in Runaways, which is one of my favorite comics ah, from Barbara Okay, and uh, it was made into a TV series as well. And uh, Ileana is better known as Magic, and she's also the sister right. of uh, Colossus. Right. Yes, I, I, that's right. I, I'm remembering now that she's in Marvel Snap. <laughs> she sure is. She's on one of my, on several of my decks, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've, not, I've not gone back to that game since the start of the year. Uh, I'm still playing but, it every day. Uh, I'm enjoying, yeah, enjoy, 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 enjoying touching booth back with uh, Midnight Suns. So, Midnight, so Marvel Snap, has that, has that changed much in the last few months? I mean, new cards change the meta quite a bit every now and again. No, it's pretty similar. They've introduced new, uh, yet another new currency. So you've got gold credits oh, no. and now tokens <laughs> to buy cards with. Um, uh-huh. And that was basically why no. I quit the game. I, w- I wasn't really enjoying the, the direction that the monetization was yeah. going in. <laughs> I mean, I still haven't spent a penny on it and don't feel like oh, I need to. Oh, absolutely fair. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's totally doable. And uh-huh. I, 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 was, I, I think I spent, I did uh, two season passes and it wasn't mm. necessarily that it was I mean, it was bad value, I think, and it only yeah. lasted a month. Um, yeah. But you, you can get by without it. It was more that I just didn't like the, the, the system that was there. Yeah. But the, the, the game the, itself is, is pretty solid. Yeah, the token system is actually was actually brought in to offset even the monetization even more. And the token system allows you to buy those cards that normally you can only get through the monetization system. Oh. Okay. Um, but you, you can, like, so kind of rolling for them shall we say by drawing huh. them in your deck they're super rare so it's very hard to draw them from the from from, from unlocking chests or boxes or whatever but um 
they can now show up in the store under tokens and you can spend tokens on them to buy them and you can only earn tokens through playing the game you can't earn tokens through through money at all so it's it's uh it's kind of a weird like here's a way to earn the cards without spending without giving us any money at all and i'm like okay <laughs> uh thanks i think <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious to go back but i feel like I've, I've, i'm completely out of touch with the meta now so yeah <laughs> I'll, maybe, I'll, I'll see We're trying something a little bit different. We're rolling uh, with a, a new format here. <laughs> Rather than a specific game, we are talking about the genre of roll and write games. A it's little bit of background for this is that um, me and Daniel play very different games, I feel like, sometimes <laughs> when it comes to board gaming. I, I play very, very light games in general, and Daniel tends to enjoy a lot of... I mean, he enjoys the light games as well, but he enjoys a little bit more meatier ones. So we, we spent ages trying to come up with a game that we were both been playing recently and nothing really struck. <laughs> well, a few games that we were looking to talk about were roll and write games. And That's it, true. It, it, just, it feels like it's a little hard to talk about one of those exactly, in exactly. huge details. Yeah, they're, they're so kind of light. They're, they're much faster to play. So it didn't really, didn't really make sense to like have an entire segment of just one specific roll and write game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll, we'll cover a few uh, that, we've, that we've both been playing lately. Uh, but first, I mean, th- let's try and define the genre. I don't know if you wanted to take a stab at that first. Like, What, what do you think is the sort of definitive features of, of roll and write games? I mean, it's kind of there in the title, right? You roll dice and write stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also flip cards, right? There's flipping yeah. dice as well, which kind of counts as well. That was, I was sort of a bit of a leading question, is like yeah. how, how important is the rolling versus the writing? I, I, yeah. I, I personally, I feel like the flip and write is basically in, included in that it's just a different way of providing exactly. randomized inputs. Exactly. And, and I, I agree as well. I think it's the same thing. I think flipping rights and roll rights are basically the same genre i don't distinguish them at all really um it's just like here's a random outcome of something and use that to influence your personal player board and then get slowly written into a corner as you realize you made a horrible mistake 12 turns early <laughs> so there's to say that i, I think the, the most important part of this genre is the right <laughs> the the, the, the exactly. sheets every player having their own sheet usually these are like paper throwaway one-off sheets yeah. sometimes they're sort of laminated or whatever yeah laminated cardstock with with um with pens but usually they're they're one and done sheets that one player has their own individual that you're filling in separately usually independently of each other there's very, usually very little interaction between the players there's a couple of main variations i i, I feel on how those sheets tend to play out that I think we can get into. But there's generally some kind of of, uh, randomized input that's contributing to how you can fill these sheets in, whether it's dice that you're like, sometimes each player has their own dice or your central pair of dice. Everyone is sort of using the the same input. Sometimes you're drafting dice, like everyone's choosing one at a time, Uh, but random input to fill in these sort of predefined sheets that that sort of cover our bases there <laughs> i think so i think that basically covers it um yeah random inputs and predefined sheets um and as you said 
a lot of time the random input, the dice or the card or whatever, is a shared value. So it's done yes. once for everybody, but that's not always the case. There's a few games that give everybody their own dice, which mm-hmm. is even more chaos because everybody's rolling at the same time. Yes, yeah. And the, the, one other feature I, I tend to find is that these tend to scale very well. It's, it's pretty yes. common to see... One to ninety-nine players on the box. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that they, they because there is so little interaction, everyone's just filling in their own sheet. We can talk about how some of the interaction does come into the the genre, but yeah. generally, it, it's everyone has their own sheet, doing their own thing. Very much so. So, I I, I feel at least that these can be def- sort of subdivided into two main genres. One, I I, I would call maps, like where the sheet is a, a sort of physical space. That you're filling in in various ways. It could be it could be a, usually a grid, like a square grid or a hex grid, that you're filling in tiles uh, in in some fashion. And the other I would call sort of a spreadsheet or a, a tax form almost, uh, with sort of predefined boxes that you're ticking off or filling in numbers for. Does that sound about right? I'm sure there are exceptions, but at least well, I largely feel like those two are quite distinct. Yeah, well, actually, I'm sure our listeners will point out some exceptions. But when when I saw this in your show notes, I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, that is incredible! That is that is such a good breakdown on 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 roller rights, like the maps and spreadsheets." I, I it was kind of like an eye opening. That like, I was looking at all my, all the ones that I have, and I was like, "Yeah, that that pretty much covers everything." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I was to be honest, I was thinking earlier about how I uh, need to do my taxes and how much. <laughs> some of the, the the spreadsheet variety, at least, does some an occasion feel a little bit like filling in a tax form. And I, I'm wondering if there is a roll and write about filling in taxes now. <laughs> roll and write taxes. <laughs> there is a, there is a video God. game that came out, I believe. It's like a dating sim about that that like the, you are literally inputting your actual real life taxes. <laughs> uh, <That's>, <laughs> that sounds very dangerous. Like yes, being, yes, eaten up and sent, sent to like some enter in your you your, your sin number. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's start with the the map sheets, shall we? And and how some of those work. So I'm thinking cartographers. I think is probably the yeah, quintessential I, one. I mean, here. two of my favorites would be cartographers and on tour. Yes. Yeah. Well, thing is, on tour. I'm. I'm going to argue that on tour is actually the other variety. You're right. Even yeah. On tour is an actual map. On tour is played on a map, but you're actually you're actually just filling out numbers and boxes. It's predefined right. routes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think what's key to this is that it's a pretty much blank grid mm-hmm. that you're filling in with some degree of agency and almost creativity. Yeah. Like obviously, scoring is is still a, a big feature, but. I mean, because you're actually filling in spaces, like different colors, different, like cartographers especially. Like you go on, on Board Game Geek and look at some of the illustrated versions of maps yeah. that people have made in cartographers. You can be extremely utilitarian and just color in with, with like, just color only, or you can do these lavish, lavish illustrations. And it yeah. really encourages you to, to lean into the sort of thematic expressions in these games. So I'm thinking of other examples like floor plan which has you yeah. like building out a physical space of, of a of a house or welcome to dinosaur world no, i think it's just dino world uh which is basically building a jurassic park but again a physical layout of a yeah. park and there's something incredibly intuitive i find about these 
these sort of games that, that, that with these spatial elements that give you the creativity is just always fun regardless of how well you're doing it's always just fun yeah. building a little dinosaur park or your the floor plan of your house with you know five kitchens and and, <laughs> <laughs> and then three pools and whatnot so yeah are there any other examples you can think of in, in that sort of um, vein? yeah I think it's Avenue. Uh, Avenue. Okay. I think been, it was rebranded as Kodama Avenue or oh, Avenue of the Kodama. Or something. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I think I've, that's one of my one of the early ones that I played, and I love it to bits. It's a very, very light, very simple, simple game, and I still have it on my shelf. Do it's, it's a very small box, so I think it's buried behind some other stuff. I'm literally sitting here looking <laughs> at my shelf, but I'm pretty sure it's buried behind something else. But uh, that's a really, really fun game. Love that one. I mean, Cartographers is the one I have the big collector's edition that they did mm-hmm. for Kickstarter for, for Cartographers a couple of months back. Or Actually, you, you picked that one. Yes, yeah, I, I believe we, got, yeah. we both got it at the same time. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Blueprint. I actually love Blueprints. I, I don't have a copy of my own. Uh, they just released Blueprints of Mad King Ludwig, I think it is Yes, called. yeah, I was so It's Blueprints, but cro- crossed with... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cross with Mad Castles of Mad King Ludwig. So I think it's, I think it's called Blueprints of Mad King Ludwig, and that looks hilarious as well. But um, just a very brief aside, I've always had this this crazy dream, and I actually um, texted the uh, <laughs> Blueprint developers one time to tell them this, and they, they they thought it was hilarious as well of playing a game of Blueprints with my friends. So get a, get three or four friends together, playing a game of Blueprints, then taking up the prints, and then playing a role playing game. Where all the players are playing are, are playing thieves who are like trying oh. to run a heist on on a community, and all the houses they're breaking into are the houses that they have just built themselves <laughs> in Blueprints, which make no sense whatsoever. Like if, you, if you've ever played Blueprints, it is the most ridiculous house. Like like you said, like three kitchens, one bathroom, and like you have to get to get to the bathroom, you have to go through two bedrooms and a living room or something, closets that kind of go to nowhere, and like these ridiculous like. Ridiculous houses, um, and, but I thought it'd be hilarious to run a heist and not even do it like don't do it back to back. We, we you play blueprints with, uh, with a group of friends on an off thing, and then like a month later, you, you suggest a role playing game, so, and like halfway through the game, the players are like, "Wait a second, I know this house." <laughs> Just to be clear, when you say blueprints, do you, do you mean floor plan? Because blueprints looks to be oh, a floor very plan. different. Sorry, yeah, okay, so floor plan, yes. Oh god, you, I'm saying the wrong name. Making blueprints, time. yeah, easy mistake. Yeah. yeah. Yes, my mind went straight to taking those those layouts and rebuilding them in The Sims. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, that'd be hilarious as well. They, they would not be nice houses to live in. <laughs> but, yeah, but sorry, I, floor plan. That's there is there is a great degree of like even though you're trying to win, you still have some agency over how you go about doing that, and and exactly. yeah, always having a bit of fun. Uh, I, I yeah. find them good introductory games because of those spatial elements. Yeah. Uh, I also like. I think they also work quite well as solo experiences because of how much effort you can you, you can put as little or as as much effort into these as you want. So you can just take your yeah. time solo, just really going to town with those illustrations and not worrying about everyone else waiting for you to finish your your sort of goblin illustrations on the in in in, in, uh, in cartographers or whatever. <laughs> totally, totally, yeah, exa- exactly, yeah. yeah, very much so. And and like, like you said, you can have a lot of fun, like in floor plan, drawing out the. You know, when you're um, when you're putting in furniture or whatever, you can like do little doodles for the furniture. You can draw your trees, and you can oh, you can really get lost <laughs> in the weeds of playing that those those kind of games. 
Um, I do love cartographers. I love drawing out the maps of the cartographers and meticulously drawing the little trees and little houses and stuff. Yes, yeah, I don't, I don't have, have the artistic skill to 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 really <laughs> like some of the examples I've seen, but I, I do like putting some effort in, like the houses and the the, the fields of wheat and everything. It's it's yeah, quite fun. yeah no, no skill required here. When I say meticulously drawing <laughs> out, I still mean a very like rudimentary, <laughs> fun, colorful thing or whatever. Is that? So, um, one other example I, I, of note for me, at least, that I want to mention in, in this sort of sub-genre is Isle of Cats Explore and Draw. It's one of my favorites from the last couple of years. It's a sort of flip-and-write version of the, the big box game Isle of Cats, uh, in which you've, you've got a, a, a boat, sort of top-down floor plane of a boat, and you're filling in tetromino tiles of, of cats on the boat. And it's, it's not quite as much expression in how you're filling it out, because it's, it's just it's not like rooms or or maps or anything you're just filling in these tiles but i i, I do really enjoy the sort of strategy of that game and sort of squeezing all, all the cats in into into these boxes and quite a lot of um re- replayability in the different scoring objectives you can get in that too i first played that game at your place that's right yes you did <laughs> that last uh, uh, it's, a, it's actually yeah it's actually my first um experience playing the Isle of Cats setting, shall we say? Like I, I hadn't played the the standard Isle of Cats game at all. That the 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 roll and ride version was my first experience of playing that setting. Or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Yeah, no, I, I I enjoy that one a lot. In fact, I I I've rarely found myself going back to the original game because that is such a great condensation of what I enjoy it, yeah, about that game. <laughs> With without all the all, all the setup. One of the other big games in this sort of subcategory, and that is Railroad Inc. Absolutely, uh, yeah, which, which um, similarly has a map, but you're it's, it's building routes, uh, both roads and railways uh, on, on a grid of tiles, and again, you don't have a huge amount of creativity. It's just drawing lines between routes, but you do have a lot of choices to how you approach it, and and yeah, you basically so everyone's using the same dice, I believe, to to yeah, it's a shared so I think it's in. four dice you roll. Yeah, but you can basically start at any part of the map you want yeah. and sort of meander around it or cut straight to the middle. And then obviously, there's a lot, lot of a uh, huge amount of of expansions for that to add a lot of customization. Yeah. And, and I believe some of those do add some little degrees of of creativity like trees and rivers and mountains and other little things which which make it even even more sort of meditative experience i feel i think even like the core game boxes uh come with uh, like every one of them comes with their own mini expansion built in so for example i I have uh railroading blue which comes with rivers and then there's railroading red which comes with um i think Volcanoes or something. Yeah, one of those is a lot more common than the other. But um, <laughs> and, and then a few like that. But then there's also like these mini, like mini, mini expansions that are just those two expansion dice. Like ones exp- like space invaders and exactly, and yeah, it's, <laughs> it's nuclear, nuclear like, explosions. Or <laughs> I gotta say, like when when the, when the game first came out, I was like, oh, this looks really cool. It looks really fun. It looks really easy to play and teach or whatever. So I bought it and I really enjoyed it, and I still really enjoy it. I still really love it, but never. I just, I'm just blown away by the amount of creativity in the designers, like it, just the all the different like little mini expansions, and I just I, I didn't think the the system had that kind of legs to it, and it totally does. Yeah, it's a very elegant, simple system that that can be has been amended to and and tweaked in so many different ways uh, that I, I I've barely scratched the surface of. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. 
So uh, with that, why don't we jump across to the other big type of roll on riots and, and do, do our taxes <laughs> Yeah, uh, and talk about sort of, I mean, I, I've tentatively called these sort of spreadsheet games. I don't think that, that fully encompasses all of them, but I, I would largely define this as games with more predefined locations. Yeah. So usually, usually tick boxes, but sometimes a map like on tour that you mentioned, predefined spaces laid out in such a way that you're ticking off or filling in numbers on generally. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, like, you generally you have a very like a set grid or a set um, layout or whatever, and you're just putting numbers in strategically uh, in order to link up, make connections or links or maximize points. Yeah, you say strategically. I think that's really key in this. It tends to be a much more focus on. I mean, both aid is math. <laughs> But also yeah. strategy instead of engine building and comboing, filling in certain groups would, would either give you a bonus or the bonus points or bonus actions to let you bounce into abilities elsewhere. Uh, I mean, to start simple, I I I, I, would, I think it's fair to say that Yahtzee technically yeah. falls into this. I've never actually played Yahtzee, but I, I've been- uh, I have, and only because of BGA. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's very so, simple. Just roll like just adding numbers onto a onto a quite literally a spreadsheet right yeah yeah it's just rolling dice and picking your thing and one thing i will say about spreadsheets over maps you're not going to really get stuck you can always like just move you know not move things but you can always (laughs) you know decide where things go and maybe you won't score the maximum points but it's not that bad or whatever whereas with the spreadsheet system like in on tour or yahtzee or or many others you can really screw yourself over really early <laughs> on um, and not know it for like, you know, half the game. And then you're like, why did I put that number there? Yeah, well, yeah. I think it's, it's, I mean, it's probably a good time to mention one of the key features. I, th- I, th- I think it's, it applies to both of these in that it's a real sense of diminishing options as the exactly. game goes on. Because everything is, is predefined, there's limited spaces in each round, there's less and less spaces to fill in. Uh, and so you often feel much you feel very restricted even on say cartographers like by the end of the game mm-hmm. you've got a, very few options as to where you're going to put a tile or or where you're going to write a number uh in in one of in like i don't know how yahtzee works but uh, in, in, in many of these sort of spreadsheet games you'll have a lot fewer options as the game goes on but i think the big difference is like in say like cartographers or um railroad inc You'll never get a roll or a draw that really, really like completely hurts you. <laughs> you can't put somewhere that you could benefit from. Whereas, or, or they, you know, you'll never get a, a draw, a roll that, you know, um, because of something you did ten turns earlier, this roll is now worthless to you. Whereas in Yahtzee and in, you know, Welcome to is a great example, mm-hmm. yep. or, or or on tour, you you roll a dice, you roll the dice, and you look and you're like twelve. <laughs> Dang, I really could have used that like ten turns earlier. When I've now already, you know, made that an impossible number to play. Mm, you can feel a lot more restricted in general here. Yeah, yeah, very much. I feel like the map ones are just a little bit more forgiving in terms of absolutely you know, over the course of the play. Yeah. So I, I think I mean, again, I don't have any strong feelings on Yahtzee and how that's influenced the genre. But I, th- I think I think it, I think it's fair to say one of the big influences for the modern revival is the is uh, guns sean clever i believe it's called yes. and there's a whole Which series ha- there's like five or six in that series now that i've not played Ganshin any of clever Dan- Ganshin, so and Ganshin, whatever yeah i 
again, I unfortunately have not played any, and I love roller rides. Like I really enjoy practically every roller ride I've played or experienced. But uh, just having a chance to try the Ganshan series, but you're right, yeah, that, that was a very very big one. It's something a little intimidating in how abstract those games are. It's it's literally just a grid of numbers that you're filling in on the sheet and and colored dice. Like all that matters mm. is what color and what number it is, and that's like there is no theme to those games at all. And no. uh, I mean, normally I would be a little put off by that. I I am very like obviously those, those games are hugely popular, and I do want to try them try sometime. Uh, but there's there's very little to sort of hang your hat on the heads it's sort of it's, it's, they don't really welcome you in with 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 theme at all that's just yeah. straight straight math and accounting it, 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 yeah it's much more the puzzle and the, yes. the, the math yeah. and yeah like i've been enjoying a game called quixo which is you know very abstract roll and write of the spreadsheet variety and uh, i've actually been playing it as part of like a, a st- one of the streamers that i follow runs monthly like tournaments um, so she'll play Quixo for the whole month, and whoever scores the, the most, whoever gets the highest score at the end of the month, gets VIP status for the following month. Mm. And I've been playing that for with I've been following along, joining her for a while. And this month, I'm currently the highest scoring oh, player wow. with 80 points. <laughs> Congratulations! Um, <laughs> and I think the month ends in like a week's time, <laughs> a week and a half time. So, so we'll see if I survive the, the end of the month. <laughs> Currently, uh, this is my first time ever doing this, so I think I got very lucky. Because, again, I will say a, a big thing, I, I feel like um, the map version, look is you, you, look is less important. Like, you can mitigate it a bit more, or you can get around it a bit more because you're a little bit more free on where things go. But with the with the spreadsheet version, I guess like your taxes, um, <laughs> look is very important. <laughs> you know, rolling the right number at the right time um, or the wrong number at the, at the wrong time, it can absolutely destroy your game and obviously there's a, there's a big element of push your luck there as like how much yeah, are you going right. to to play it safe uh or, or go for the big number and hope that you get the right one later on uh so to, to various very varying degrees across these games obviously but yeah so i hope you're uh, you're successful in de- in defending your championship there we'll see uh, so you mentioned Welcome Two, I think is one of the other big ones in this. Uh, again, you, so that's a, you've got a predefined sort of street layout. I think each player has three streets that they're yep. filling in house numbers and various sort of features in these houses, uh, like fences and swimming pools and things. I, I, I've only played that one online and, and quite enjoyed it. Oh, I actually love that one in person as well. It's a really <laughs> fun in person game. It it, wor- it works very well online as well. It's a very clean game, but um it does work very well in person uh it's it's really good fun and it's really fun sitting be- beside each other and kind of like you know being like oh you got exactly the number you needed and whatever you know yeah so. it's because you're forming more chains of numbers in this mm-hmm. one so yeah. subsequent um what do you call it? ascending numbers down down the street yeah. they have to line up and so there's definitely this very very much the feeling of sort of as pushing a luck and and, and would you, yeah. do you go all in on one street or do you try and spread yourself out waiting for the perfect number uh there are some some of the options like there's, there's four or f- like half a dozen features and some of them are more competitive than others like yeah. the, like one might be the moat the person with the most of of um i don't know what it's called the the hazard the little building road yeah the person with the most of those i think gets more points and so the, it yeah. does encourage you l- l- lightly to be keeping an eye on what other people are doing 
Uh, there's some of the, the sort of shared objectives that I, I think we can discuss those um, a, a little later. But there, there is a little bit of interaction in that one, uh, encouraging you to to look, look around the board. Actually, speaking of interaction, cartographers is a very good interaction system. I yes, don't know if you want to yeah. I, th- I think we'll, we'll bounce back and talk about some of the ways the interaction sure. comes up later. So I think one sure. of the other big uh, areas for this game. So I mean, we've, we've mentioned that this tends to encourage more strategy and more sort of combos and, and puzzles, which I, I, it has sort of gradually led to more and more complex versions of this genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's sort of exemplified by the, I think it's now a trilogy of games by Ben Pinchpack and Matt Riddle. Started with Fleet Dice and then Three Sisters and now Motor City. Uh, just came out, I believe, like in the last month or so. Uh, and these yeah. are like really quite elaborate games that e- each player is usually getting at least two or more sheets. Uh, and like big focus on, as I mentioned earlier, like comboing actions, like you're doing, filling in certain boxes and here will give you a bonus action and you can often chain those and get like four bonus actions in one turn. Uh, and, and so. And you're just drafting dice. At least in Fleet Dice, as anyone I've played, you, you're drafting dice. So you, you you roll the half dozen dice and you, you take just one of them and the other player takes one. So there's really quite exclusive options for what you can do. So again, encouraging quite a bit of interaction there. Uh, but a lot to keep track of. Uh, like across the, like two, two sheets each, there's a lot of different paths to victory that you can take in these games. Uh, and, and things to explore. Have, have you tried any of these games? No, I think this brings me back to my opening statement that you enjoy <laughs> slightly heavier, meatier games, and uh, I enjoy later ones. And for me, a roller ride game should be like 20 minutes in and out, done, have some fun, um, have a laugh, and then move on to something else. I don't like Hadrian's Wall, Twilight Imperium, these huge, big, like two, three hour roller rides. Yeah. Um, are just like, what? No, I. If we're going to do a roller ride, you know, if we're going to do a two or three hour game, I want a much more interactive and much more like, you know, much more, yeah, much more just exciting game. I, I like, I, I don't want to say roller rides are boring, but, <laughs> you know, I, I love roller rides, but I love roller rides as like a 20 minute like filler experience or opener experience or whatever, think- you know? Yeah, I, I do enjoy these games. They can feel like these are especially feel like accounting at times. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think dice I do enjoy, but I do struggle a little bit in, in how, how much you're trying to keep track of, especially with bonus actions and like trying to remember what you've activated and what you haven't within each turn because everything is the sheet. You've you got no physical tokens to keep track of what you have and haven't done and so right. trying to keep everything in your mind is, is can be quite unwieldy i think and it's sort of really straining at the edges of what can be achieved in this genre uh hadrian's wall which you mentioned that actually does a better job similar weight but actually has physical tokens like you, these little meeples that you're trading in and 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 utilizing when to take particular actions. So that's much easier to track what you have and haven't done. But then at, mm-hmm. that, at that point, it feels like it's sort of this halfway point between why not just be an actual board game? Like, yeah. why why are we doing this accounting? Why not just have it the, like everything be the, the actual physical pieces on the board? Like, especially with the, the, the sheets of uh, reams of paper that comes in <laughs> these games. Yeah, uh, exactly. you, you, can, you can laminate them, but it, it just feels a little, um, not just, I don't know, it's unsustainable, but it 
feels like it's really straining the edges of what can be done here. Uh, but I, I, Three Sisters, I am especially am quite interested to check out thematically. Uh, I do enjoy those games. It's just they're you really need a group that are focused <laughs> and we have to sit yeah. down and, and, and stare at stare at spreadsheets for two hours. <laughs> yeah, not uh, not my idea of fun. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so one other final game in this sort of subcategory I think we both want to talk about that's particularly noteworthy is Retrograde. So this is a relatively new game from Resonim, designed by Mary Flanagan and Max Seidman. So I, I got again I got a review copy of this in quite recently, and and Dennis, I believe you just won a copy of this. Yeah, um, I didn't get a review copy, but I, again, on a stream, uh, one of my friends was playing the game and had Resonum were in the chat and offered to a worldwide giveaway, and I happened to win the the, the raffle or whatever, oh, so I, I have a copy in front of me, um, so I love it. So have, have you had a chance to try it yet? Uh, I have not. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoy what I saw of the stream. I, I've actually seen it stream twice now, I think. Um, and I love the quality of the components. Like I love the dice. To to explain retrograde, it, it kind of looks like Space Invaders. Oh yes, uh, if Space Invaders was made into a, a, a road and ride game. Um, the 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 score sheet, shall we say, or the sheet that you're you're, you're writing on, has uh, lots of different little pixel art aliens. Um, very very similar to Space Invaders. That very 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 basic, very cut down uh, graphics. Um, and uh, and you're basically rolling dice and then um, grabbing cards from a central pool to uh, mark off the aliens on your on your screen or your sheet um, and uh, scoring various through that. Um, so the player sheets are just really gorgeous. Mm. It looks like a little arcade machine. It's even got like the stick and the button. Yeah, a little console, bottom. and you f- you fold up like the top end for like your high score to, to fill it to fill yeah. in the points. That's <laughs> another little touch. Oh my goodness! I didn't. What? <laughs> I, I never saw that. It's amazing. I never noticed that. Yes, yeah, so lovely little details over. here. Is like they're, they're very lovingly trying to recreate the feeling of an arcade. And wow, like, I should say like because you, you're not actually filling in tokens here. You're crossing off. Like you start out with a yes a sheet of of, of space invaders or as astro droids are technically called, and you're, you're you're crossing them off as you, as you blast them. But the the key takeaway here is that. The game is actually in real time. At least the rolling part is in real time. Yeah. So all players are rolling six dice, I want to say it is. And yeah. you, you're trying to, to you, you can only activate two colors of two of these six colors uh, uh, on one turn. And so you're trying to get all the, the colors that you want. And then for basically drafting one of these cards, you're drafting in real time. So there is this degree of trying to try to figure out what everyone else is going for, having a, having a goal in mind and getting as like, Pushing your luck to how close you can get to it before you before you grab that, uh, and help say if you want to play. So yeah, it, which, which yeah. does this good of good job of, of of simulating the sort of frantic sort of button mashing of of, exactly, of the arcade yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, and and the colors you can mark off are based on the card you you grab, right? So let's say you the card might have orange and green on it. So you're trying to roll as many oranges and greens as you can because then you can more mark off more of those colors on your on your player board. Um, but if somebody else grabs that orange green card before you, you have to pivot to a different card that might be like, you know, uh, orange and pink, and you're like, ah, but I now I have to reroll all my greens to get rid of <laughs> to try to roll pinks, and it's just really 
like it's like like you said, it's that button mashing franticness of as things go down the drain swiftly and stuff. So. Yeah, I, I do feel it can be a little punishing, both in if yeah. you, if you miss the card that you want and then force to improvise, or some, like there is a, a, a element of of needing to sort of blast adjacent enemies yeah and i, I like i don't know if it was me or, or a friend had sort of cornered ourselves off in such a way that we couldn't there was, there was nothing adjacent anymore um right. so you, you there are some traps to fall into in, in that sense so, but it, it plays so quick that you you could be moving on to the next round at least so the, 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 exactly. the real time can be a turn off I, I imagine i have from this solo in which you just it's just a timer like you i think you have to give yourself 25 mm-hmm. seconds or something to to roll as much as you want but yeah, it's a, it's a great little game. Simulates it does a good job of capturing a very particular vibe. Yes, very much, <laughs> very much. Yeah. And it's just it's quite different from other roll and write games that I have in my collection. So that's one thing that I think the roll and write genre is so broad that it's very. I think I think it would be easy. No, not easy. I think it would be possible <laughs> for somebody to find a roll and write game that they enjoy. I think. I think. Almost everybody could find a role in a game that they would enjoy in some form or fashion. Absolutely, yeah. Because there's just so many, and they're so broad. They going from like really, really simple ones like Quixo um, to like the really complex ones like Twilight Imperium and stuff, or Twilight Twilight Inscription. So one of the things that's really fun for me with my collection is that like none of my role in a games cross over in terms of like they they all feel very different. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Yeah, so I, I think it's a good time to, we, 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 as we teased earlier, talk a little bit about how, how do these games bring in interaction. Like, they are largely mm-hmm. solitaire games, but yeah. there are some innovative ways in which they, they sort of encourage uh, player interaction. Like in this one we mentioned, yeah. there's the, the real-time elements. Uh, you teased earlier cards, yeah. cut, cartographers. Why don't, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so cartographers actually probably is one of my favorite uh, roll and rice interactions. Um because in general, uh, I think even before Cartographers, I think Cartographers might, might have been the first roller ride game where I, I saw any interaction. Up to this point, roller rides were, were, as you said, were very much like a, a solitaire with friends kind of game. But in Cartographers, when you draw, when when a monster card comes up from the deck, so Cartographers is a flipping right more than a ro- actually. There's no dice at all, so it's it's exclusively flipping <laughs> right. Um, so you're flipping a card and uh, then you're drawing that pattern of whatever drawing a tetronomo on your, on your tetronomo, map because exactly. yeah. sometimes they're, they're, they're not connected right sometimes it might be like you know two dots and two dots that aren't yeah right? yeah there's some exceptions whatever yeah. doesn't matter <laughs> um, you, you're filling in some squares um, but when you draw when you flip a monster if you're playing in ambush you know, card with friends with friends in a table around a table you pass your map uh, either clockwise or anti-clockwise, depending on what the ambush card tells you to do, and then your opponent gets to draw where the monster <laughs> goes on on your on your map, which can really hurt. It's really something quite um, violating about that because like Roller uh, Rides is so solitaire to suddenly have some, someone's drawing right. on my map, <laughs> but it's so much fun. Yes, like it's yeah. so funny when you when when you know when you hand that card off to Daniel and Daniel just cackles <laughs> maniacally knowing exactly where he's going to put that ambush and you're like you're just like ah but the, but the thing is um, I think in every game there's four ambush cards because it's four seasons now not all of them might come up depending on how the game plays out um, as you shuffle and 
replay cards. But within the four ambush cards, uh, whether they come up or not, two of them will say pass your card, pass your map clockwise, and two of them will say pass your card <laughs> anti-clockwise. Yes. Yeah. So if I pass my one to Daniel, and Daniel really <laughs> messes me up, he knows what's coming down the line. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the stronger versions, I, I feel. Uh, most of the other yeah. interactions are largely like the Welcome to model of here's a um, sort of objective in the first person yeah. to, to complete this objective claims that no one else can. Uh, there's very there's very little direct interaction. Uh, there's, I mean, Twilight Inscription you briefly mentioned, but even that is more just comp- like there's these military rounds in which you compare your military strength to your neighbors on either side and it's very arbitrary and it's just a small side part of that game that a lot of players will just ignore entirely and <laughs> there are all kinds of strategies and like strategy uh articles on how it's not particularly mm-hmm. useful at all it's yeah. not it's not forced interaction necessarily so something you said just a second ago reminded me of a roller ride that i just played this week mm-hmm. for the first time ever and i I've never even heard of it. <laughs> uh, it's called Scribbly Gumtree. Yes, yeah. Oh it's my sitting on the goodness, shelf behind so me. I've not fun. checked it out yet. <laughs> that brings me on to another thing. A great thing about roller rights is that a lot of them can be played on stream very easily with, with people at home. Um, so you you know you might flip the cards or roll the dice or whatever on stream, and then everybody will do the actions at home, no matter where they are in the world. So you can do a really it's it's really good, they're really good for streaming. Mm-hmm. And Scribbly Gumtree was taught to me by a streamer um and i played it with them online i played two three games oh excellent yeah that's, that's, that's uh, three from games, uh, three Phil, Phil walker harding he released a trilogy yes. of australian australiana games uh yeah, i've not joey games yeah i've not tried any yet but uh they, 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 they very, look very cute uh the, the i really enjoyed scribbly country it was very fun very um and again it had um i think i think you call it more of a map making version rather than a spreadsheet version but <laughs> It's got that like, oh, I just wish, you know, I mean, you know, why did I draw that there last time or whatever? <laughs> yeah, that does. That is a good point in in terms of the sort of streamability of these games, and like that's exactly why a lot of them don't have mm-hmm. much interaction. Is yeah. the, the scalability works better when you when you're not uh, having that interaction that you can play online, yeah. you can give out sheets, and any number of players can just just, just play at home. Like what was the one I, I played with uh, Ruel? I don't remember. There was a bunch of shapes. You're drawing like these little little colored tetrominoes, but yeah, they're great fun to to play online and have a sense of sort of communal play across like with with any number of of players online. So that that's that's a great feature of this genre as a whole. I think. Yeah, I I do feel that this genre has really had a golden era in the last three years for a particular reason that we're all stuck at home and <laughs> yes, you can yeah, share them in that point. experience like. I really do feel like I don't even even like five years ago, people are like, "Ugh, rolling rights." There's that's not for me, you know. Or <laughs> like people are, like, oh, Yahtzee or whatever. And but like in the last three years, everybody's like, "Oh, rolling rights." Let's here's another new one. Here's another new one. Here's this cool thing, and here's a really clever system. And um, it just seems to ex- explode. And I think a lot of it's because it's it's one way to play with friends. I really feel like they're really like, they're all, like they're, they are very much a genre of their own. But it feels like like some people that just play these like they're a whole they're a, they have their own fan base now basically the separate yeah. evolutionary path in board games basically <laughs> exactly yeah exactly uh, I, I think one final thing i wanted to, to bring up is how many of these sort of come about as 
dice versions of pre-existing games. Yes. I, me- I mentioned yeah. um, Isle of Cats, Explore and Draw, but there's like any of the big Euro games, for example, you, there's chances are there'll be a, a not necessarily a mm-hmm. roll and write, uh, often a dice version, but that dice version is quite often a roll and write game. Like uh, I'm yeah. thinking Dinosaur Island, Raw and Write, Joan of Arc, which is a roll and write version of Oleons, which we re- we covered recently, and I have just ordered that that version, so I'm looking forward to trying that. Uh, are, there, are there any others that you're familiar with? Um, uh, Castles of Burgundy. Yes. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. ones. Absolutely. I think that was one of the early ones that kind of people talked about a lot as being a very popular one back, back at the start. And but um, even even my, my well, city, the uh, sort of campaign yes. game, has a, a dice version now. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that I think that gives a pretty good overview of the genre uh, and perhaps a, a few good starting points for for, yeah. for people. Like I think cartographers, welcome to we mentioned on tour, <laughs> love on tour. Yes, yeah, yeah. We didn't really discuss that one, but I I, I I've only played that online with you, and that that was that was a, <laughs> a fun experience. <laughs> yeah, and there's now there's on tour Europe, on tour sorry on tour US is the kind of original one. On tour Europe is is very difficult. New map uh, on tour Paris and on tour New York as well is, is all right now. Yeah, and then and those are, are lovely productions of the, those are the, the sort of laminated boards that you're actually. Uh, That's right. By all dry, dry play, erase. I think it's yeah, all new, play is called now. Yes, name. yeah. If, if any listeners have thoughts, like if you've if you've got an exception to the these these categories that we've made up here, please let us know. I, I would love, yeah, I would love to hear because I really do think the uh, spreadsheet versus map it encompasses everything. I can and please tell me if there is a, 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 a do your taxes roll and write out there. <laughs> Maybe we need to design that. Let, let us know your your favorite roll and writes, and you can send uh, in feedback and uh, and questions at omnigamersclub at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter as long as that is still a thing as the flames <laughs> burn. Yeah, you, I, I, I like how you just pre- preface every mention of Twitter now at the moment with like, as long as it still exists. Uh-huh. Next episode, Mark should be back and I'm sure he'll have lots of interesting stories to tell. We are tentatively going to be talking video games and with another new release, just come to Game Pass. Let's throw another coin in the bucket. We're going to be talking Minecraft Legends. This is the sort of real-time strategy version mm-hmm. of Minecraft that, d- that just came out. I- I've already picked it a little bit. Um, Dennis, are you familiar with this game or Mi- Minecraft more broadly? I mean, Minecraft, obviously, yes. <laughs> you you have kids, really. so yes, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but when it comes to the Legends, uh, I'm not. Uh, my first and only experience of it was during like a xbox direct or something and they, 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 they showed a trailer but i was like what's that <laughs> and that's it excellent yeah it's it's, it's quite interesting so far I, i've only just scratched the surface but you're actually it's obviously i think it is randomized worlds but you're leading mm. armies around and attacking bases which doesn't feel yeah. like it's very much outside of the, the general types of play you'd see in in, in minecraft much more action combat 
focused but and single player yes well i, oh, there, I, I believe there is co-op i I'm, i haven't oh, okay. into that yet but uh it's, it's, got, it's got some very cutesy characters and 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 fun aesthetics there so it's cu- curious to see what to do with that world uh dennis do you have anything else to plug nope <laughs> can't say <it> <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I should have mentioned this uh, up, up front, but others may know you as Quaid Rain on most platforms. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure yeah, where you, 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 you are, if you have a, a, a Twitter backup as it currently stands. But, uh, That's it. Um, yeah, you, you can also find me on Blue Sky <laughs> <laughs> at uh, Twitter. I, I managed to get a bit access to Blue Sky. I've tweeted exactly once, and it was Hello World. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, other than that, no, no big shout-outs. I'm not doing any streaming at the moment or not appearing in any podcasts um but yeah just if you want to see what i'm up to or hear about my kids drawing pictures of me as a superhero uh, check me <laughs> on twitter excellent well thanks so much for joining us thank you very much for having me this has been a, an immense pleasure and it's been as i said to, to 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 complete my bingo card of both you and mark now is uh, pretty wonderful to, to, to be able to do it Yes, of course, it's always lovely to have you and have another another, another local uh, join the crew here. So, as always, thanks to everyone for listening and remember to have a balanced gaming diet. <laughs> <laughs>